This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. The land on which I am lucky enough to raise my son always was and always will be Aboriginal land. This episode of Ready or Not is brought to you by Elan House of Wellness, the ultimate destination for postpartum care, supporting mothers with food, education, self-care tools and gifts. I don't have that job title I want yet. So I just said, I'm just not ready yet. I didn't take any time off. I had the baby and then I was probably sending a work-related email a couple of days later. And it's always been messy. It looks like madness from the outside, but it's just sort of worked. So shocked at the change to my physical self and my mental self. It took me a long time to actually get comfortable with baby number two. In the grand scheme of things, I love it. But in this moment, there's this email that I'm really excited to reply to. Tori Bowman Johnson never considered herself overly maternal. So it's come as a surprise even to herself how entrenched her work is in the motherhood space. Through her books Afterwards and Before and her production series The First Word, Tori is deeply passionate about opening up conversations not just about motherhood, but womanhood too. As a mother of two who has never taken traditional maternity leave, she knows a thing or two about making work work. And here, we talk about the messiness of navigating motherhood and paid work, wanting to pursue both, and tackling mum guilt. I'm Lucinda, this is Ready or Not, and here is the open and optimistic Tori Bowman Johnson. Tori, I'm going to use your own concept on you here. When I say motherhood, what is the first word that comes to mind for you? Oh, gosh. You can have a few. <laughs> oh, God. Roller coaster, challenging, and completely joyful. They're very, very, very accurate words that um, I can resonate greatly with that. Now, let's take it back to the start. Tell us about your career pre-motherhood. So pre-motherhood, I worked in talent management. So I started, I actually started in post-production. So ever since I can remember, I've wanted to work in film and TV and I thought I would move to Melbourne from Perth. So I did that. And I, then I thought, well, I'll start with fashion. That didn't work. So then I moved into post-production and I got a job like editing commercials and all of that jazz. Um, I was really underexperienced. I think I lied on my resume to get the gig, but, you know, got thrown in the deep end. And from there, I moved on to managing talent for Vivian. So I was awarded the men's division at the ripe old age of 20, which was a lot of fun. So I did that for three years and then I moved on and worked more closely with talent when social media came in. So as you can imagine, everyone started to become their own brand. So I started doing a lot of writing and strategy and I literally did that until about four months after I had my second baby. So I've been doing talent management and branding for gosh, like 10 plus years. And when did the idea of starting a family come into mind for you? Was it something that you thought about and spoke about a lot or was it a pretty natural progression? I would say it was a natural progression to an extent. But I was never a maternal girl. I was never the one to hold the baby. I was never the one to touch the belly. I wasn't interested in it, to be completely honest. And 
my mom would always say, come on, you and Will have been together now. Hurry up, have your babies. And in my head, I'm like, no, because I'm not financially where I want to be or I'm not, I don't have that job title I want yet. So that happened, you know, for years and years, I just said, I'm just not ready yet. And then I don't know why at around, at 29, I just had this um, epiphany. I was like, okay, I'm, you know, we, we weren't married. I didn't have the job. We didn't have, we weren't set up, but I thought, I think I want a kid now. I think I want a baby now. I think I was really ready to put my energy into something that wasn't me. I wanted to share that or just take the focus off me. So we decided to have a baby at 29 and we were just really lucky. We fell pregnant really quickly. Yeah, before I knew it, 29, I was a working mum. <laughs> and so how did pregnancy go alongside work for you? Well, I was really lucky. I definitely had, you know, the first trimester of just that borderline nausea every day, which was horrible. But apart from that, I had a great pregnancy. I was still able to keep fit and healthy and I just felt mentally really well. So working-wise, it was fine. All my clients were um, interstate. So by this stage, we'd moved back to Perth. So I was lucky in that I was working from home. So of course, working from home does have its comforts. I was hungry all the time. The fridge was right there. When I was nauseous, I could go sit out the back. So from that perspective, I was super lucky. So it didn't, you know, pregnancy and work, it wasn't, it didn't combust it any. It just sort of, the two worked well together. And so were you free, when you say you had clients, were you freelancing at this stage or were you working for Vivian still? No, so I resigned from Vivian's. I was there for about four years. And then at 25, we decided to move back to Perth and I retained clients. So I was, yeah, I guess technically freelancing for a few core um, people. Um, so yeah, just working full time, but yeah, from home. And so how did you plan for your maternity leave where you had, I guess, lots of clients that you had to juggle? Do you know what? I was so... I don't know if the word is blasé or naive or a combination of them both. I just have this real <laughs> attitude of, it'll be fine. Like I had a lot of people going, okay, so when you have the baby, what do you want to do? I I didn't get frustrated by that question, but I was perplexed. I was like, well, yeah, sure, I'm going to have a baby, but, you know, I can still answer emails on my phone or I can still be on my laptop or, you know, I've got mum, she can she can take the baby surely while I get back <laughs> to an email. And so I, I felt like I would just, give it a go. I dropped back to part-time. So I sort of stuck with a few core clients and stopped the sort of more random freelance. And um, yeah, I just, I just juggled two, three days a week and the baby. And to be honest, I, I really actually enjoyed it. I think the work part, you know, it's a fine line with me between work. My work is my hobby. So my work is my like creative space and it's my, it's the time I love. So I actually think without it, I would have been I, I would have been mentally harder off. And so did you take much time off at all then or was it sort of like two or three days from the get-go of motherhood? No, I didn't take any time off. I just, oh, wow. I just, I mean, I think I had the baby and then I was probably sending a work-related email a couple of days later and not in that sense where like I picture like Roxy Jacenko like having a baby like on her computer. It wasn't <laughs> sort of, it didn't have that high intensity, but it was, it was, I was able to do it. And, you know, when a newborn's a newborn, you know, they sort of sleep all day. So I was able to, to manage it. Um, and yeah, I, I did really enjoy it. It gave me a sense of purpose outside of the home. And as your child starts to demand more, I think you do look back at that newborn phase and you go, oh, I can see how you sort of 
can do bits and pieces of work there because they require less of you in some ways, obviously not in others. Oh, yeah. How did that change as you went on? Like for me, for example, I found sort of that eight to 10 month mark of motherhood quite tricky. And I was like, wow, he needs a lot of me. How did making work work go as Hamish, I think his name is, as he grew a little bit older? So I think... I realized over time when he started to crawl and walk, it was harder to focus. Like I couldn't, I could sit and email, but I, you know, you've got a baby getting into everything, pulling out the plugs, like it's a danger zone. So from that perspective, I learned to better manage my time. And I sort of was at peace with the fact, okay, when he's awake, I am mum. When he's asleep, I can put my work hat on. And that worked to an extent. And then we moved him into daycare. I think he was doing a week, a day a week when he was about 14 months. So uh, again, that allowed me the time to work. And I'm really lucky with family. I've got a lot of support. So I would say it was, it's always been messy. It looks like, it looks like, I'm, you know, madness from the outside, but it's just sort of worked. I can resonate with that a lot. And I interviewed the Beyond the Bump girls earlier and I'm starting to think that if you are a mother or primary caregiver, that freelancers or works in less of a sort of nine to five capacity, it just is a bit messy. It works, but it's messy. It works and it's messy and, you know, but you find your rhythm and, you know, as the, like the kids get a little older, they do start to recognize that. I mean, I'm not going to say Hamish looks at me on my laptop and thinks, oh, I should leave mum alone. It's certainly <laughs> not like that, but it, it just becomes a a part of the norm, you know? Yeah. And so then in 2021, you release your first book afterwards. Before we get into the book itself, what motherhood experiences do you think really stood out and inspired you to write that book? What was it that really drove you? I guess when I had Hamish, because my pregnancy was quite without ailments or sicknesses or anything, I felt quite well. When he came along... I was just so shocked at the change to my physical self and my mental self. You know, I watched my boobs just change completely. I watched, I felt like incontinent for so long. I was sweating bullets every night. And I was just sort of thinking to myself, like, what, how, you know, how am I not controlling the urge to pee? I'm a 30 year old woman. And it, well, I didn't have that sense of, well, you've just had a baby. You know, I was just thinking like, I don't get it. Where's that control gone? Like what's happening to my body that I've known for so long? And it's scary when you lack, when you lose that control for the first time. It's a bit like, oh my God, what's going on to, with me? It is really scary. And, you know, you don't get the downtime or you don't get to go out and exercise and, you know, wind down. So sort of, you just have to, you just have to be okay with it. So I guess, all of that kind of stuff made me laugh a lot of the time. Like I was petrified to go to the toilet the first time after having the baby. And in my head, I'm like, you've just given birth. And all of a sudden going to the toilet feels like such a scary, like it just made me laugh. And I thought I can't be the only one and I'm not the only one thinking all this. So I started to write notes to pay it forward to girlfriends when they had their babies. And then over time, that's kind of how it started. And then tell us a bit more about actually bringing it together. So it started out as notes and then you do lean on professionals and your mother. So you're navigating all of that. How did you, how did you actually do it from that logistical point of view? And how did you decide what you were going to focus on creatively? Well, creatively, the postpartum adventure was my interest. I just, I found it just so phenomenal, you know, 
I was just so intrigued. And I guess I always need some kind of creative project. I'm a writer by trade. I always have been. So I'm always naturally writing and creating. So I just thought I'd, I'd put it all into one centered focus. And I, I, I am someone who needs, you know, I love to work and I feel like having a career is a purpose. And I, without that, I kind of feel a bit like I'm lost. So with those things combined, writing this book felt like the right thing to do. Um, it just made sense for me. And I sort of pitched it around to a few publishers, very naive of how that world worked. And then someone just said, why don't you just, you know, write it and publish it yourself, which I didn't even think was an option. But, you know, with Canva these days and, you know, everything else, it just became something that was completely within reach. So I thought I'd just give it a go. And so was that time stolen during naps and sleeping and the rest of it, just like how you were talking about your freelance life or was Hamish a little bit older by this stage? So I started writing it from memory when he was about six months. So he was still a true baby at that point. So I think I'd just find the cracks in the day, sleep, if he was sort of playing or I'm pretty good at just finding the time. You know, there's always tiny pockets. And I think when you string it all together, you can make something of it. So I think I've just always worked like that and then I gave, I'm pretty good at giving myself deadlines so I just gave myself a deadline and yeah I just sort of winged it. <laughs> Tapping into that energy as well can be really exciting when you are very like in the work of parenting so oh absolutely I can definitely relate to that that's exactly how this podcast started so then you add another baby to your family how did your second pregnancy go this time you're already a mother so as we know, there's just not as much rest time. How did that go for you? I feel like I was crankier. I feel like I was a bit of a cranky gal when I was pregnant. I'm glad to hear it because I am definitely the same. <laughs> I, yeah, I was cranky. So I would say that. A pregnancy again, I was quite lucky, like no major issues. Um, I feel like what I did struggle with, so they're two and a half years apart and it took me in my head a long time, maybe two and a half years in, you know, a long time, but it took me a long time to actually get comfortable with baby number two. Cause I really was fearful that I couldn't actually love another baby. Like I, you know, loved him. And I re really mourned before the other baby George came along. I just mourned the loss of the relationship with just Hamish and I. So emotionally I was a mess. And I remember the night I went into that labor and I put Hamish to bed. I was just a ball of tears because I was so sad that this was our last night as, you know, just me being his mum. And it's so funny you say that because that I just had that visual for the first time yesterday. And I was like, there's going to be a night where I just leave Bay there to go have another baby. I know. It's crazy. And my mum comes over and I've got to give him a kiss and be like, see you when there's two of you. I know. Well, I felt the same before Hamish. I, I sort of mourned the loss of just Will and I, and it would be like a Wednesday night and we'd be on the couch and, we'd, you know, want to go to bed. And I'd be like, but don't go to bed. Like, this could be our last time. He's like, we're not even doing anything. I'm like, yeah, I know, but we're not doing anything like together. <laughs> I just, I fear change. I don't, I find change really hard. So second pregnancy, it was great, really healthy, but yeah, crankier and a little sad that I was losing we're going to lose just that sort of relationship with Hamish. And this time you had the benefit of hindsight. Each baby is, of course, different, but you had been through it before. Did you do anything different when it came to postpartum planning or anything of that nature? 
I definitely shopped better and I got the nursery ready, but I also really stocked up on like the maternity pads and, you know, the the underwear that's virtually a nappy now for women and all that sort of comfort stuff like lip balm. I bought like seven of my favorite lip balms and have them at, you know, all over the house and same with water bottles and just that I wanted to be more comfortable physically and have those things around. So all I could do was just focus on the baby, focus on me, focus on home, you know, and when you have your second baby and you'll find this, you do feel an element of there's more relaxation there because you sort of know what to expect. So yeah, this time around, I I actually enjoyed the postpartum experience a little bit more, probably because I knew what was coming. And then two big projects came not that long after. You wrote another book, which was called Before, and you also released your first production, The First Word. Can you tell us a bit about both of those projects? So the first word, when I wrote afterwards, a lot of people, it's like when you have a baby, they're like, when are you going to have another one? It was the same. It's like, when are you going to write another book? And I, I didn't think I had another book in me, but then this, the pregnancy sort of opened my eyes to just again, like all those kind of taboo things that happen. And I began loving the community that I um, built with afterwards and loving meeting all these women. And I, I didn't want that to end. So I thought, well, if I write another book, I can kind of extend the conversation. So that again started off as a diary form, just um, you know, day by day or month by month, trimester by trimester. I just kept notes um, and tried to be more extensive because obviously my pregnancy was, you know, it's one experience. There's so many out there, so just tried to expand the conversation. Um, and then the first word is, you know, a project that's been in my mind since becoming a mum. I just love women and mothers i love how capable they are and they can do so many things it's so multifaceted they're so empathetic they're so emotionally wise and i i just thought obviously we have beautiful you know podcasts and books and i just wanted to extend that like i wanted to see these women on mainstream so i actually pitched it to a few networks um i went large really quickly and i got feedback that okay great it's It was funny feedback a lot of the time. It was like, it's a very niche market you're trying to reach. In my mind, I'm like, niche? I just, I never understood that particular word, but I took it on board and they just said, build a web series and and just see how you go. And I, I, to be honest, I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't really know what a web series was. But lo and behold, I YouTubed how to use YouTube. And then before I knew it, I sort of, um, had found some mums that I thought would be great and then conversations that I wanted to have. And yeah, we just sort of, we just filmed the first episode and then over time let it evolve and we're still doing that now. Video production's no small undertaking. That was my job before I went on mat leave in a full-time capacity and it takes a lot. And then if you're doing it basically by yourself, you're spearheading it, not through an organisation, but through using freelancers and contacts you have, how did you bring that all together alongside your parenting? So I think from talent management and branding, I knew how to, I've always, my role has always been to project manage. So sort of to work in between many moving parts. So that to me wasn't too, I didn't find that too stressful. I just thought, you know, I'd the videographer, booked him, photographer, booked them, hair and makeup, booked them and sort of plans the time and place. And then very loosely structured sort of the the show, I guess, around what they would be speaking about. So I actually loved the process of that. 
the hard part is, and you would know this, is actually the editing and the marketing because you make something and then it's like, okay, here. And then before you know it, you're like, oh, how do I find those people? And then how do I create all that content? And there's so many social media platforms and so many dimensions of all the ads. It's all that post stuff, which is the time-consuming bit. It's so time-consuming and overwhelming as well. Oh, so overwhelming. But I think as women do, you just get on with it. You know, that's, I think, the nature of what we do. There's not a lot of time that we sit and whinge. I think we just get on with it. When I think about the Christmas holiday period, I feel both excitement and dread. It's a time of joy, but it can also be stressful. And even more so as I head towards the end of my second pregnancy with a busy toddler in tow. With this in mind, Elan House of Wellness wants mothers to prioritise themselves this summer. Through their incredibly thoughtful offering of dry mixes like the dark chocolate banana bread, traditional Chinese medicine mixes, I can't wait to try the Restore Herbal Soup in my upcoming postpartum, and gifts including affirmation cards, beautiful body oils, mists and creams, Elan House of Wellness is changing the way we think about postpartum care and looking after mothers. Whether it's a gift for yourself for getting through this crazy period, or something for the special mother figure in your life, you can shop their range of family and pregnancy-friendly products at elan.house. All of their products are carefully curated through a contemporary interpretation of ancient Chinese traditions that believe that when you support the well-being of the mother, you in turn support the entire family. Listeners of Ready or Not will receive 10% off using code POSTPARTUMREADY at elan.house. This offer has no expiration date, but excludes 28-day postpartum packages and gift certificates. And so you've had so many conversations either through researching for your books or through the first word, and I'm sure just in your mothering experiences with your friends around pregnancy, postpartum, motherhood, and all of that. What stands out as some of either like the key themes that you hear from mums or your biggest learning so far? Well, for me, what always stands out and what I hear because I feel it is mum guilt. It, I have daily mother's guilt that is really tough to shake and I just don't think it's possible. And I have, you know, a gorgeous husband, Will, and great friends and family saying, you don't have to feel so guilty, take the pressure off. And I love them for always reminding me that. But the reality is I feel it. So for before, I spoke to a wonderful psychologist about women suffering from body image issues during pregnancy, but the advice she gave, which that I took from that, and I sort of apply it to many things now in motherhood, is she said that, you know, if you are struggling with the change of your physical self during pregnancy, that's when you've got to be really strong and be really rational with yourself. So to grow a baby, for that baby to be healthy and to grow in your stomach, your hips have to widen, you're, you know, you've got more blood, so your boobs going to be blah, blah, blah. I loved that advice and I think it's so wise, but I now apply that not so much to body image for me personally, but for, you know, mother's guilt. I think I am a career girl and I'm a, my biggest guilt at the moment is I think I can't work and I can't earn as much as I used to and life is expensive and Will's out there doing his thing every day, which is, you know, amazing. We've got a great life, but I want to contribute more and I can't because we've got the kids but even when I do 
and the kids are in daycare, I think we it's costing us money for me to work and that sits heavy with me. But I, I'm not the type of person not to work because, well, I don't even know if it's I'm not type, the type of person, but I don't not I don't want to not work because that I would lose such a self you know sense of myself. So I think I apply it. I think that advice has helped me because I rationalize with my worries and I think the kids are babies. They're little. They need me to be here. I have to be here, which means I can't be working. And if I do want to work and, you know, build something and retain something, then I need care and I need to pay for that care. And we can afford it and we are so lucky to be able to afford it. So that rational, pragmatic mindset really helps me day to day. The money thing is really interesting because I feel like you learn a lot about capitalism through motherhood because it's about finding value in other ways outside of outside of earning an income. And I decided to go freelance after my son and it's meant some fine earning months and it's meant some terrible earning months where I'm like, gee, I'm not contributing enough yet. He's in daycare. And of course the subsidy really kicks into gear when you're not earning as much. So we're not spending that much, but still you can't help but feel guilty. And I want to know, has that changed at all for you over time? Like, do you think you get better at that and more at peace with it because you know what it does for your mental well-being or your mental stimulation? I think I wouldn't say I found it easier over time. It's, it, it's just always there with me. And um, But I think what I am realising is that, you know, I, I see the boys, I'm so lucky that I get to spend so much time with the boys and see them flourish and actually help them, like teach them and play with them and I have to be like honest I actually love playing with the boys and I love that side of mothering so I don't I want both you know and I I think the guilt sometimes if I'm honest and I I remind myself I want both then I think well the guilt is just a a byproduct of that and it's you've just got to get you've just got to sort of be strong enough every day to remind yourself it's not always going to be like this but at this point of our lives this is the reality and to be honest it's a pretty bloody good reality so just shake off and focus on you know key perspective I think and I feel like we're already sort of perhaps tackling this next question but what do you think are the most challenging things for you at the moment with making work work as a mother well I've got a four almost four-year-old and an 18-month-old and they are polar opposites one's a you know he loves inside puzzles hide and seek the other one just wants to be at the beach or the park you know out so what I'm finding I said this to a girlfriend the other day is I'm learning now that to give them the best possible day I need to be out of the house and I can't be on a laptop and a computer so now what's now what I'm finding is I've actually got to designate days and hours and I haven't really done that in the past so Tuesday is my work day. Wednesday is a work day. And I'm I'm better at that because, you know, you, you lose control after a certain extent with the kids. You've, you've got to go out and you've got to, you know, let them run wild and enjoy that rather than try and make it work all the time. And it, it is frustrating because a lot of times I'm at the park, you know, I'm swinging and doing whatever and it's like, I don't want to be doing this today in this moment like in the grand scheme of things I love it but in this moment there's this email that I'm really excited to reply to and 
So it's just, yeah, I, it doesn't get easier, but I feel like it gets more normal. So we just get, you know, we wake up and we know that, okay, we're going to have that feeling today again, but you get, you get better at, you know, carrying that load, I guess. Yeah. And what about the best parts of being able to do both? As we've said, it's not always neatly packaged, but I guess when you've had one of those weeks where things have felt a little bit more balanced and you've been able to tap in to the paid work side and the mothering side, just as you would, you know, like it to run every single week, what do you find the most joyful about that? Well, twofold. I think I love that the boys see mum work because my mum is, she was the breadwinner. She's you know, always been full-time working. Like I've had a very strong female working influence. So whilst I'm not at an office and, you know, every day full-time, I love that they see me work and they see me committed to it and they see me loving it and they can just be aware of that. Women work, mums work. I love that. And I also, I love the freedom, I guess, in the day to sort of, and I feel like it's almost a luxury to tap in and out of different things so you work and then you're like okay we need a break let's go to the park and okay I've had enough with the sand now let's go back so you guys can play out you know in the back garden and I can do my thing so it's nice I guess to be able to share um, or to have I guess different dimensions of the day every day so I I feel a little sorry for Will sometimes because I know he goes to work and you know in meetings and at a desk and he would much rather have the ability to sort of you know have lunch with us for an hour and go to the park so I sort of cherish that I mean some days I'm completely jealous of him when he leaves in the morning but at other days I think oh he, he would love this right now it's a really interesting one because I discussed this and I actually can't remember with which guest recently of jostling between sometimes being really jealous of Hayden that his week just sort of plays on and he's he's a bloody good dad and he does a lot of the daycare and all of that but at the end of the day, he goes to work five days a week and I go to work from home three days a week and it's different. And sometimes I feel jealous of him and sometimes I feel sorry for him that he doesn't get the time with my son that I do. So I totally agree with that. What's Will's perspective on that? Has he ever shared much about like, oh, I wish that I could spend more time with kids or is it is it something that you have openly spoken about? Yeah, we do speak about it. We do speak about it. I think with Will, he, he's grown up in a household where his dad was the same, like worked full time. So in his mind, that's maybe not normal, but that's just the done thing. So I think a part of him loves it because he sort of loves what he does and he loves the hustle of work. But I know he would like to be able to like check, you know, leave work at five and just leave work at work, which doesn't really exist now. So it's kind of that when he gets home, he loves that hour with the kids. Something else that's been coming up a lot for me lately is finding a way to talk about the challenging parts of motherhood without it seeming too grim. Like I think that we're well within our right to talk about the hard bits, but sometimes I feel like I fixated on them too much. What do you think about that? And how has that shown up with you in the first word and just in conversations with your friends? So I think the the real reason I wanted to create the first word is for that reason, because I think when you have kids, it is so, so joyful, but it's really tough and you make a lot of sacrifices and you're hormonally everywhere, but centered, you're just, it's really tough. So we tend to vent, cry, feel the mum rage, get frustrated. We're up all night. You know, there's a lot to look at, but then there's also the other side of life that's 
you and your interests and what you love to do, whether that's reading, working, you know, whatever it is, I'm big on women remembering that they are still a woman. They're a mother, sure, but they're still a woman and they still have, they're still allowed to have interests. And, you know, like Bridget doing her incredible app, she's got this other life that doesn't mean she's got two lives. She's just got a, a fuller, more like holistic idea of who she is. And I think that's really natural. So the first word is a conversation definitely about mothering and parenthood, but it's also just, you know, woman to woman and it's you know what is the greatest thing in your life right now and what is the hardest thing in your life sometimes that's parenting sometimes that's not so I think it, the conversation definitely can get grim and we can all get very sarcastic with the memes and it's all true that's the thing but I think we do tend to forget about you know take yourself you know just part the the parent because obviously you know when you're a parent you just you're trained every morning you just you can do that but what else is going to bring joy and value to your day fit that in you know even if it's a conversation about it just remind yourself my god I don't know like it life feels like that grim sort of side just sort of deflates a little bit yeah I totally I think that's a great tip it's like looking at the bigger picture and what else you can bring into your life so that it doesn't just feel like this overwhelm of motherhood which can be really full-on if that's your whole focus. It's like such a huge responsibility. So I'm about to become a mother of two. What advice would you give me about going from one to two? And maybe what was the hardest and the best fits? Well, the hardest for me was Hayne wasn't super excited about George coming along. <laughs> he was <laughs> super excited about him when he was in my belly, but the actuality of having this baby in my arms all the time didn't sit too well with Hayne. So for, I think the first six weeks, it would, the hardest part of postpartum life was Haim's emotions. He was just distraught and very stressed. He had terrible diarrhea. He was just really stressed about this oh, change. It's and so hard for you while you're going through early postpartum as well. It's really tough. I mean, so lucky that I had Will. He could get up and sort of deal with Haim. And I think the advice around that is if that is your situation, Give the firstborn little jobs, you know, make them feel included and useful and part of it rather than, you know, rather than making them feel like they have to wait. You know, mum's feeding the baby, you've got to wait. Mum's feeding the butt, you know. Your your attention is on this newborn all the time, but if you just sort of include them, that eases the blow a little bit. So that was the hardest part. Um, and my advice, I guess, is... You know, the first time round, I was very happy. I had an app for everything. I, you know, everything was very calculated. Nothing really went to plan, but I had the technology and the gadgets there to, you know, get me going. I think for the second one, I was slightly more intuitive in that he was a much harder baby. He had colic, which was a whole different thing. But I, I sort of, instead of leaning to, you know, the sleep routines, for example, I just said, okay, well, this is this is our life. This is what Haim needs. So instead of a sleep schedule, we're going to do one, but we're going to create our own. So we're just going to go by awake times. We're not going to go. So just sort of be more, what I found easier or what I found helpful was just to be a little bit more loose in the approach, knowing that at the end of the day, you're still going to tick all the boxes, but you're going to do it in a way that suits you and suits the relationship that you've got with, you know, your toddler. And you've obviously had a lot of 
confidence or gusto or just energy to go for these creative projects after motherhood. What would be your advice for anyone that has a great idea? Motherhood can often bring about a lot of inspiration, but maybe they're a little bit fearful of taking their next step. What would be your advice for any parents going through that? Oh God, I've said to Will, I've, I've worked this out in my later years as I start to freelance, but on my own project. So instead, you know, of doing other people's work, I'm doing my own work, but I have learned to write a list of what I can do, my capabilities, where I'm skilled. And then there's a big list of things that I know I can't do. And building a business plan is, you know, I can certainly try, but I need someone to come in and help, you know, digital marketing. I can set up a Facebook account, but God help me if you show me the back end of that. So I'm realizing if you, if you can try and get yourself to the point where you've got the resources to outsource. And then when you do outsource, really make sure you're working with these people so that you're, you know, generating knowledge at the same time. You know, creative ideas are amazing and I feel like everyone's got a project in them. So just like, just do it, give it a crack. What's the worst that can happen? Um, but just admit sometimes when you are struggling and see who's around that could possibly help because it does make things Maybe not easier, but it, it makes things more comfortable when you sort of when you know you've got those resources around you to help you when you're in a tight spot. That's really great advice too, because after you have kids, you simply just don't have the time. So it's not you can't just learn everything and do everything. It's impossible. Oh my god. Digital marketing, I my mind is blown. It's just such a minefield. Meta campaigns. I don't even know where to begin with any of that. It is an absolute minefield, I agree. If you could go back to new mum, Tori, and give her one piece of advice with this hindsight of parenting for a few years now, what would it be? New mum, Tori. I would probably say be kinder to yourself. Like for me now onto second baby, I think the first time in my life, I am much more comfortable about, you know, enjoying food, enjoying time off switching off, just enjoy life, you know. And I think that's what kids have taught me is that it's it's so hard. Motherhood is so hard. So the only way you're going to find it easy if you actually allow yourself to do things that you really enjoy. And that is, you know, the, that's different for everyone, but just indulge where you need to indulge, you know. Don't feel like you have to do, like, you know what it's like with baby number one. You've got this long list of things that you must do and number of poos that they must do every day. And it's bloody exhausting. So just sort of taking the pressure off and being like, you know, the babies, you know, my mum always reminds me like that baby is pink and fat. It's fine. You know, the baby is fine. So just look at the baby, remind yourself they're fine and then look at yourself and think you're not fine. So go and give yourself a snack or go and give yourself a bath or you know, just allow yourself to feel good. And on that, how do you find time to feel good or to make time for going out for dinners or whatever it is? Is there something that you do or is there a certain amount of time a month that you're like, no, I didn't get my time. I need to do something. I can feel the wheels starting to fall off. For me, I think it's exercise from a mental health point of view and just a daily, like for me to have full perspective on the day, I exercise in the morning is a game changer because not only is it time alone and endorphins but it's just I think it's actually that it's the time alone without anyone I you know physically go out of the house and I go somewhere and 
I really appreciate the drive there. I appreciate getting the coffee on the way back. I appreciate the shitty, you know, radio, but I love it. And the traffic, the traffic's all of a sudden not as bad. (laughs) A red light is like a gift because it's like, oh my God. And yeah, I just, I love that. So that's really big for me. Um, Yeah, exercise. And then just, I guess just, the little things like I'm a huge magazine girl I still read I think I'm keeping the magazine world alive I seem to be the only one buying them but I'm (laughs) buying them every month making sure I still do that and I still read it and I'm still engaged in what I like to be engaged in and you know just those those little things can be so helpful to your mindset I guess and your energy levels if you're doing things that you like you know you will find that your energy is bouncier than if you're just slogging it out you know motherhood is just physically and you know emotionally full-on 24 7 it's also amazing how perhaps you haven't returned to work and you're a stay-at-home mum but it's even when we talk about career and motherhood it can often be as though we're saying that if you don't go back to work you know, you're a bit too mumsy or whatever, but it really is just about stealing those little moments. Like you might not want to go back to a paid job, but you deserve time out to read the magazine, to go on that run, whatever you like. Absolutely. Honestly, sometimes I wake up and I think, God, I am such a mum and I will just have a shower and put a necklace on. And I'm like, all of a sudden I'm, you know, I'm a woman with children. Yes, <laughs> Those exactly. little things, you know, just remembering that, you know, just, I don't know, those little things really do make a world of difference. And at the top of the episode, you said that you weren't necessarily what you'd say is a maternal type. Are you quite surprised that then so much of your work has ended up being around motherhood? Like, does that surprise you when you look back? Oh my gosh, hugely. You know, I was, when I worked at Vivian's, I had these dreams of being in New York or London at these big agencies. And, you know, now I'm doing something completely opposite, but I really admire, and you're in the same boat, and I really admire so many women who take these years and turn it into something that they can explore and grow. And it's um, it's great because there are so many skills involved. So every day you're kind of upskilling. But yes, I am very surprised that my life is so centered around pregnancy and babies and motherhood. It's not quite... I guess the subjects that I thought I would be diving into, but I feel as if I just, I really love it. Like there's just, I just, I, I really love it. I'm the same. I feel like from the outside, perhaps if you weren't necessarily into children or you didn't have children, it could seem mundane, but even you saying like the living in New York or London thing, I was always like that too. But when I'm talking about motherhood, like I may as well be a single gal living in New York. That's how much like excitement it brings to my day to oh, have these conversations. hundred percent. So I totally resonate with that. So Tori, if anyone wants to find your work online, where do they go? Well, you can watch us at The First Word. So we are a YouTube series, but you can find us at The First Word on Instagram or um, thefirstword.com.au. Um, and then the books afterwards and before, um, you can find them at the website. Um, I think it's actually afterwardsandbefore.com.au. But of course, everything is linked through my Instagram. I feel like I'm just a one-stop shop, you know, come to me and there's many a different projects related to mums and women that you can tap into. So, And what's your Instagram handle? Tor- oh God, that's a good one. Tori Johnson, three underscores. 
Love it. Okay, great. I've loved hearing your story and I love your mindset. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you for having me. I've always loved your podcast, so it's an honour to be sitting with you. Thanks for listening to Ready or Not. If you liked the show, please tell your friends, subscribe or write a review. You can also find us on Instagram at readyornot.pod. That's it for today. We'll see you next time.